4, Mark chapter 4. Um, I want to read to you a little report. J.D. French, some of you may know, some of you may not. J.D. French was completely paralyzed, I believe, from the neck down at one point. Uh, this week, he was able to move and control his arm on his own. So this is, a, uh, this is the beginning of him regaining movement and control. So we can praise God for that, right? Amen. Nothing is impossible with God. Uh, I also want to say that I was pretty brave. Sometimes, who here ever opens your mouth and it's like your foot goes into the sky and then straight down in it? Uh, Steph is control of who gets paid and who doesn't. And I, and I invited everybody to sing your happy birthday so you know who's not getting paid next week. Uh, but that's okay. I'll still be here. That's all right. I'll have fun uh, with you all. But a, a glorious day. So I want to go today to Mark chapter 4. And I want to look at this parable of the sower. Some may call it the parable of the seed. Some may call it the parable of the soils. There's a lot of different uh, titles that people give based off how you interpret or, or what point you're looking for. This is one of the first parables that we see in the, Mark, or in the Gospel of Mark here. And a beautiful parable that Jesus gives. And here's what we're going to do today. We are going to read through the words of Jesus. We're going to break down what he says. And then we're going to find ourselves. There's one of four people in this parable, and there's one of four types of people that you will be, and, and we're going to go right into it. So Mark chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1, and we may go all the way to verse 20. So let's begin. Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. So just to give you a real quick understanding, there is a place kind of like southwest of Capernaum that is actually known as the Sower's Cove. It's around the Sea of Galilee, and it's, it's a very small cove, and there is like a natural amphitheater there where Jesus would kind of get into a boat and push off the shore just a little bit to where his voice would kind of bounce and skip across the water, and it would echo not just to the people right there on the seashore, but people up even rows and rows behind them. So it's like a natural amphitheater that Jesus used very strategically to preach this parable. And if you want to Google it, you can look at the parables or the sower's cove in uh, around the Sea of Galilee, a really neat looking place. So this is where many people claim that Jesus was when he taught this particular parable. And he was teaching them in things and parables and his teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell, fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that 
They may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word immediately, they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a little while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away or stumble. And others are the, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So here we begin to see Jesus transition to the time of parables. And there's a lot of reasons why people claim Jesus used parables. It's easier to paint a picture with your words than sometimes give it to him directly. Sometimes people claim that parables were, were more memorable. Everybody here remembers the parable taught or the story taught about the prodigal son. We all remember the, the parable or the story taught about the lost coin. And it's easier to tell stories. So Jesus, being a good teacher, told stories. And some claim that that was why he used parables. But something I said last week, and we are actually starting to see how it comes to be more and more in Jesus' teaching and preaching. Yet last week I said that at the heart of Jesus' preaching, at the heart of Jesus' teaching, at the heart of his ministry was truly the heart of man. It was the heart of mankind, of you and of me. It was the heart that Jesus was after and wanting to penetrate. Uh, whenever we see the day of Pentecost, it says that the people were pierced to their what? To their heart. So Jesus isn't so much wanting you to, to come up and, and, and give this false profession or this irrelevant profession of, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. Jesus is wanting to penetrate your heart because as the Proverbs tell us, that we are to guard our heart and be very careful with our heart because everything that we do flows from it. So Jesus here, we're seeing more and more, what he's doing is he's actually using parables, and many claim that he uses parables for this very reason. Not to confuse people to where people are wondering, well, what is he talking about? But these parables are another way to expose people and their rebellious hearts. Because Jesus is teaching in parables, and he says, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Well, everybody would say, well, I have ears, so I'm hearing it. But there is a difference between hearing something and actually obeying it, listening to it, and applying it. So I can remember in the Marine Corps, there was this command, or there was this response we would give to drill instructors in boot camp. It was, I, I, sir, which means I hear and I will obey. Not just I hear it and I'm going to do whatever I want, but I hear it and I will obey. And it made me think about Jesus. He's talking to people and he's teaching in parables. Why? He explains to his disciples, look, if I gave it to them directly, there would be no need for them to come to me because they would just have it, they would receive it. But he's teaching to expose that people in their own hearts are prideful and rebellious. And if we are not careful, we will be prideful and we will be rebellious. And he's teaching to people that if they want to understand, if they want to apply it, they must come to him more and more and more. So Jesus uses this parable. And we're just going to break down the four soil, four soils. The first soil is the soil which is along the path. 
And this would have been uh, around the exterior of a field, around, you know, instead of a fence line, it would have been a beaten down path. All of us have seen that cows or deer or anybody, they, they all travel this path. And you can, tell, you can tell where an animal or people have made a path, where they have walked down and it has packed itself down and, and there is a path now. Similarly, whenever it snows and people drive to town, you can see where people have driven by, the way that it's packed down from their tire tracks, and there is now a path. And this particular person, and first let's go ahead and cover, in this particular parable, the sower is Jesus, and he's sowing the seed, the word of God, the gospel of Jesus, the good news of himself, he's sowing to the people. And there are four different types of people in Jesus' day, and he's warning his disciples. And here we are in 2022, and the sower is someone who is sowing the good news of Jesus. So, someone who is preaching or sharing or, or communicating the gospel of Jesus, the good news of what he did, or God's word in whole. So I'm a sower today. Why? Because I am preaching to you and sharing to you and casting seed to you. I am giving you the good news of Jesus. We're giving you the word, the God, word of God, or, but you are also a sower as well. Anytime that you share the good news of Jesus with someone else, you are a sower sowing seed. You are scattering seed. You are giving them the word. So the sower is someone who is sowing, someone who is sharing, someone who is preaching. The seed is the word of God, the truth of his gospel. You know, last week we talked about the gospel meaning so much more than just, oh, Jesus died on the cross, but that he endured the fullness of God's wrath. And then something I thought about this week, isn't it mind-blowing? Isn't it good news? So gospel literally translates into good news or good things. To think about Jesus who endured the fullness of God's wrath for people like you and me, to then on the third day rise and give life to the same people that caused him to be separated from his father. I mean, from, for the first time ever, the Son and the Father were separated as Jesus was on the cross. And then on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead to give us new life. So the same people that caused the Father and the Son to be separated for Him to experience the fullness of God's wrath, on the third day were the same people that God or that Jesus offered to new, offer new life to. Those people are you and me. And if you ask me, that's pretty good news. I mean, aren't you thankful that human beings are not God? Because anytime we're offended, we would just strike people dead and we would never give them second chances. But God is a gracious, loving Father in heaven. And that's good news to know that I'm the same one that pierced him to a tree. I'm the same one that my sin had caused him to be separated for the very first time in all of existence, all of eternity from the Father. But I am also the one that whenever he rose from the third day, on the third day, he was able to give new life to that's good news. So every time you share that with someone else, you are sowing seed. But we have to understand there's four types of soil, four types of people. There's four conditions of our heart. And today we're going to look at those four. And here's where we're going to find ourselves, one of these four. Now, before we go into it, we realize that the percentage here in this particular parable of good soil was one out of Four, one out of four, which is 25%, which reminds me of when Jesus said that the narrow gate, which leads to life, is traveled by what? By few. But the wide gate that is entered in and traveled by many leads to destruction. 
So we have to understand that not everyone that claims to be a Jesus-following Christian may be genuine in their faith. And we also have to understand that not everyone that walks the earth will one day be in heaven. But there will be a few amount. There will be a smaller percentage of people dwelling in the heavenly places with our Father than there ever will be in the places separated in hell from our Lord. And here we go with the first soil. The soil in which Jesus says where it's sown along the path where the word is sown and they hear it and Satan immediately comes and take away the word as it is sown. In the parable, he mentions birds. And one thing that I I remember very vividly is Michaela and I, for the last few years, have been going to to Florida, and and we love going with our family, with her family, whoever it may be. Well, a few years back, we went to a little town called Dunedin. Has anybody ever been to Dunedin, Florida? It's kind of southwest of Clearwater Beach. It's kind of a a little bit more remote than Clearwater Beach, where Clearwater Beach people are shoulder to shoulder and tent to tent to tent along the entire beach line, and and a beautiful place by any means. But in this little bitty place called Dunedin, Florida, we were getting ready to go to Disney World for a few days. There were seagulls all over the beach, and and these birds would walk along the beach, and if they could find any kind of food, have you ever seen seagulls? They run to and they sprint to the food. And I remember whenever we were there, Obs and Addie we had, and Michaela was pregnant with Annie, and I would intentionally throw their Cheetos to the birds. But I would throw it far enough away that all the birds would flock away from me. And, and, and they would just literally sit behind you. I mean, as, liter- as close as I am to Linda here, these seagulls would be right behind our little blanket on the beach. And they were just waiting for us to drop food or to throw them food or for the bag to be open. They would reach in and take our food. And this is exactly what people are like whenever it comes to the gospel or the word of God being preached. It's as if Satan devours it immediately. So I can remember throwing Cheetos. I don't know if it's legal or not to feed the seagulls Cheetos, but we did. And we threw the Cheetos, and these seagulls would race to it, and they would devour it as soon as it hit the ground. I mean, it didn't even have time for the water to come up and to, and to push the Cheeto anywhere else or for it to, to be lowered into the ground by any means. But these seagulls would come and they would, they would devour this chip or this cracker, whatever we had, as quickly as possible. And these are the people that do not need the gospel. The gospel is good for you. And if that's what you need to, to you know, make it through, then, then so be it. It's as if people here in this particular soil are just completely unresponsive to the gospel. They have no need for it. They have no desire. We see no need to repent of our sin. You know, we're good people. We're going to do things our own way. You know, and if, if God truly is a God, then why is there so much bad? These are the people that have no spiritual understanding of who God is, what Jesus has done. They're completely unresponsive to the gospel. These are the people who may even sit through church and they may hear and they may be offended or they may be upset or they may not agree. So therefore they will just go back to business as soon as church is over, acting the same way, doing the same thing, speaking the same way, living in the same habits. They're just completely unresponsive. These are the people that you will preach to, that you will, you will share the good news and they will tell you, hey, that's good for you. I don't need it. These people bear no fruit, and it's almost as if as soon as the gospel is shared, as soon as we share the good news of Jesus with them, as soon as we share God's word with them, they just completely ignore it. It's as if Satan comes like a seagull, and he just takes it, and he devours it, and they have no 
penetration. They have no piercing of their heart. They have no spiritual awareness of how really broken they are. They see themselves as self-righteous. They see themselves as good enough. And they need no God. They need no Lord to surrender to. They have no authority that should be above them. They are wise enough. They are educated enough. They are smart. They are, they are capable enough. They need no one or no thing else. And if we're not careful, we will maybe be these stubborn people. So soil one is the stubborn, the people that have no need, that have no desire to entertain the fact that they are a sinner who in the sight of a holy righteous God are just filthy rags in his sight. The second soil we see is the soil on rocky ground. And whenever I was listening to someone this particular week talking about the, the parable or talking about the soils, they said that this particular soil, the second soil, which would be the second categorization of people, which are the people that hear the gospel, they hear, they come to church, or you may reach to them, you may reach them out in the workplace, or you may have them over for dinner, and you share the gospel with them, and they come to to believe in Jesus, and, and they do as Jesus says, you know, they repent, they believe, they're baptized, and man, they are on fire, and that fire fizzles about three months later, or six months, you'll never see them in church again, and here's the thing, something I was listening to said, this is exactly who the disciples were. I mean, for a couple of years, they followed Jesus, and they believed in Jesus, and they loved him, and they were going to serve him. But boom, as soon as he's killed upon the cross, they all scatter because of persecution. Jesus says that these people immediately receive the word with joy. These are the people that buy the new Bibles, and they have the new Bible case, and they're coming to church, and they're worshiping. But as soon as they go through suffering... Because they have a poor understanding of the gospel. They have a poor understanding of what life looks like as a Christian. They expect that, well, because now I've given myself to a good, good father and a great message, that life is going to be perfect and nothing is going to happen. But these are the people that will receive the message with joy. And then six months later, when someone gets sick or someone passes away or they lose their job or someone mocks them or humiliates them or shuns them because of their faith, they immediately fall Away As quickly as they received it with joy, they fall as quick. They stumble or just fall and run away. They leave the church altogether. And someone I was listening to this week said, this is how the disciples were. Now, the beautiful thing is, just because we are rocky soil now doesn't mean we have to be rocky soil later. Doesn't mean that the Spirit of God isn't able to penetrate our heart into such a way that we remove the rocks from our hearts or the things in our life that are keeping the Word of God from truly rooting in our heart and truly coming to bear fruit. But let's just face it, I have seen many people in five, five and a half years of ministry, many people who, man, you see them and they're ready to serve and they're ready to save the world. And six months later, we haven't seen them back. Why? Because they have rocky soil. We have a poor understanding of the gospel, maybe even a poor recognition of ourselves. And we believe the gospel. We're in love with Jesus, but we expect everything to go great after. And the true gospel is probably the exact opposite. Jesus warns his followers that, listen, you're going to go through bad times. People are going to hate you. They're going to mock you. They're going to try and kill you because of my name. Do not fall away. Endure. And and instead, we, especially in America, expect that, well, I'm going to follow Jesus. He's going to make me healthy and wealthy, and everything's going to be great. And uh, one person, R.C. Sproul, calls this the carnal Christian. Carnal Christian. 
Someone who comes into a false profession of Jesus and as immediately or as quickly as they rise up, as quickly as they come to love and to serve and to worship, they fall just as quick. These are the people that we will see in churches worshiping ready to go, but they are so shallow in their faith and the, and the word, the seed, has not taken root and truly transformed them from the inside. The third soil is the soil in which the thorns grow out to choke the word. And the people who are categorized in this third soil are the ones that are caring for the world. They are those who are delighting in the deceitfulness of riches and the pursuit of riches and those that have desire for other things. And what happens is those people hear the gospel. The gospel, they they know it. They may believe it. They may be serving it. But over time, the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things, other lifestyles, other habits, prevent them from truly bearing fruit for Jesus. These are the people that you'll see each week. These are the people that you may see for years coming and worshiping and singing and giving, but they bear no fruit for the gospel. They bear no fruit for the name of Jesus. They have no desire to sacrifice of themselves and to serve because what happens is they are so earthly minded instead of eternally minded that they're so focused on what do we buy next? How do we build my 401k even bigger? Where do we move to next? What possessions do we acquire? What names do we wear? You know, one thing I heard this particular week was that this soil is a very tricky soil because it appears that the word has come forth, the seed has taken root, and there is fruit to grow. There is fruit growing up, but then as it grows up taller and taller, about to bear fruit, the particular plant is overwhelmed by the thorns. So this particular person is someone that truly appears to be saved, truly appears to be radically transformed by the gospel, but they bear no fruit. They fake the part. They play it as well as possible. But if we were to examine their fruit that they bear, they have no courage to share the gospel with anyone else. They have no desire to truly stop and to pray with people in need. They have no desire to sacrifice of their own time or their own money to give to the advancement of the gospel. But they hear it. They may believe it. But the worries of this world, where are we going to go next? The, the worries of, are we going to get sick? Are we going to lose our job? The possessions, the riches, the power, and the desire for other things will choke the, the word of God so much that they bear no fruit for the name of Jesus. And the last soil is those of good soil. Jesus says, these are the ones of good soil. They hear the word, they accept it, and they bear fruit. Now, there are three measures of fruit bearing. 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So one thing we have to understand is the soil, the good soil, are those who hear the word. They accept it. They, they do as Jesus said last week. They believe. They repent, of the, they repent of their sin. They believe in the gospel of Jesus. These are the kind of people that you don't have to ask them Sunday morning at 9, hey, do you have plans today? These are the people that are inviting people to church saying, hey, I've got to go to church this week. These are the people that walk through these doors hungry to worship, hungry to open his word. These are the people that cannot wait to the next life group meeting. They can't wait to sit in the next Sunday school class. These are the people that are just hungry for more. 
These are the people that will hear the word of God. They will apply it to their lives. The word of God, the spirit of God have cultivated soil within their own heart where they hear it and and the seed is planted and the soil is good. These are the people that bear fruit for the name of Jesus, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. So this can be a little confusing because some bear 30-fold, some bear 60-fold, some bear... A hundredfold. Well, in Genesis chapter 26, verse 12, you see that Isaac planted, he sowed seed. And in the same year, he harvested a hundredfold as the Lord blessed him. So if we go back to the day in which Jesus lived, we have to understand farming. You know, I I do a lot of it for Michaela's family on the farm. Uh, You know, my extent of farming is I drove a tractor one time and some kind of belt broke and I've never been invited back. Um... I'm the kind of guy that they talk about farming, they talk about all the work they did, but I never get invited to help. Um, I have to buy fake work boots so I can look like all you guys uh, that do the real farming. Whenever they would sow seed, tenfold was a big harvest. I mean, if they planted seed and that crop were to grow back and produce tenfold of what they planted, I mean, ten times what they planted, they would be ecstatic. These people, these farmers here would be the rich ones. They would be the ones driving, you know, not just the John Deere, but the Holt, or what is the big international harvester. These would be the ones driving the big cabins with, you know, the air conditioning inside to where you don't get hot when you're out harvesting. These would be the people that were giving big amounts of grain and food to other people. These were the rich ones. If they produced tenfold, they were the talk of the town. They were the very wealthy farmer. Well, Jesus tells us that if we produce, if we have good soil, which is addressing the condition of our heart, meaning if we are accepting of the gospel, if we truly believe the word of God, if we truly apply the word of God, if we breathe the word of God, if we are hungry for the word of God, if we are just walking in step and just, if we're the ones praying morning and night, we are ready to witness, we are ready to share the good news, we are ready to serve, we are ready to help. If we are ready to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we are to bear fruit. Well, in that particular day, tenfold was a big harvest. Well, we're promised that we can bear fruit 30-fold, some 60-fold, some 100-fold. This is a harvest that no one has ever seen before. I mean, we go all the way back to Genesis 20, 26. This is the only time that someone sowed seed and harvested 100-fold. But why was Isaac able to harvest 100-fold? The Bible says very clearly that he sowed the seed and he reaped a harvest 100-fold as the Lord blessed him. So if you want to use the gospel, if you want to be of good soil, and if you want to serve the Lord, and if you want to bear fruit for the name of Jesus, for the kingdom of God, just know that it is only going to come as the Lord blesses you. You of your own self, me of my own self, we are nothing without the aid of the Lord. We are nothing without the empowerment of God's spirit. We are nothing without the penetrating power part or the penetrating act of God's word. We are nothing without pointing people to the Savior of the world and Jesus. You and I are nothing, but as the Lord blesses, we are able to bear fruit. We're able to bear 30, we're able to bear 60, we're able to bear 100-fold, depending on how the Lord uses, how the Lord blesses. And this could sometimes creep in and be a little bit damaging in our own 
fruit bearing because we see the fruit that we're bearing and we want to bear the fruit that other people are bearing. Just know that if you are bearing fruit for the name of Jesus, the Lord is blessing you and using you and you are doing exactly what God is expecting. So here we are with this parable and Jesus taught this parable. One thing that we see is common is the sower and the seed. The seed never changes and the seed is the same on all services, but is, it, it is handled differently based upon the surface in which it reaches. And the sower sows among them all four. So if we were to greater understand this parable, we would understand two things are constant. The sower, which is ultimately God, and here's why. You and I do nothing of our own for God's glory. We are only empowered by His Spirit to bring Him glory. We, on ourself, in ourselves, cannot do anything apart from Him. So when God uses us, He is blessing us, but ultimately He is the reason that seed is being cast out. Seed is being sown. So if you're here today and you are one that God has been penetrating your heart time after time, or every time you come to church, you hear, the, you hear the word, you sing along, and you know there are things in your life that you should repent from, and God is revealing to you areas of your life that you need to change or things that need to be taken out, then here's the thing. God is drawing you to Him. It's nothing I do. I don't know the condition of your heart week in and week out. I don't know how your week looked. I don't know all the wrong things that you're doing unless you tell me. I don't know exactly what God is revealing to you. I am simply a vessel that God is using to sow the seed week in and week out. So if you're here today and you realize, man, there are things in my life that are preventing me from bearing fruit. There are things in my life that are preventing preventing me from growing closer to the Lord. Then here's what I want you to do. Remove the rocks from your soil. Remove the thorns from your soil. I am not here in my own strength and my own capabilities because it is very minimal. Me and myself are very minimal. I am just here for the, for the Lord to use week in and week out in different ways to penetrate your heart with his word, empowered by his spirit, so that he can cultivate in you soil that is ready to accept the word, receive the word, apply the word, and bear fruit by the word. So if you're here today and you are, and here's what I want us all to do. I want us all to examine our own soil today. The title of this message I almost said was just check the dirt, check your dirt, check the soil. You know, one thing that I noticed about gardening, one was I'm not very good at it. Um, It's just easier to go to Walmart or Aldi and just buy it. But one thing that drove me nuts was every time we would till the area of the ground, more and more rocks would show up. And then, boom, throughout the year, there's another rock. And then next year, there's this massive rock that we've got to pull out. And it's like, every year, where are these rocks coming from? You know, I don't get it. I know rocks aren't coming out of the sky, so where are they coming? And, you know, any good farmer or gardener would know that rocks surface every year or two or three or five years. These rocks, over time, I guess, somehow come up to the surface. So we've got to be very careful in, in plowing or removing the rocks because those rocks will prevent our garden, our, our crop, our harvest from growing. And this is exactly what I want us to do today. You may know nothing about gardening. You may know nothing about farming, but there are things if you do not 
remove whenever you see them. They will prevent you from growing in the Lord, and they will prevent you from knowing Jesus even greater. And they will ultimately prevent you from being used by God to bear fruit for his name. So what habits, what decisions, what way of speech, what way of thinking, what are the rocks in your life that are preventing you from truly bearing fruit for the Lord? Have you checked the dirt? The dirt is the representation of your heart. How corrupted is your, is your heart by sin? How hardened is your heart towards God? Well, why, why would God do this to me? God clearly doesn't love me. Or if he loved me, he wouldn't do this. Uh, is our heart truly prepared to receive the word of God, accept it and believe it? You know, for the longest time, I've never really said this, but I've always thought it. If the people weekly would prepare themselves as much as I prepare we would see a beautiful harvest in the sense of it is my duty, it is my responsibility to study and to you know, exegetically break down the word of God and be able to communicate it to you to where you hear it, where you are able to understand it. And if you would prepare your hearts to receive the word of God, you would see a beautiful harvest. But how often do we truly, if we may use the phrase, examine our dirt? How often do we check our own heart to see what things may be preventing us from truly not just hearing the gospel, but truly accepting it, believing it, and surrendering ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ to where we are bearing fruit for his name? How often do we just think that, well, um, we're just going to continue on and we're going to go each week, we're going to hear it, we're going to maybe apply it. But what if we were to truly examine the condition of our heart to see there may be things that the Lord would reveal to you Habits, lifestyles, addictions, sin that you may be living in that is preventing you from allowing the Word of God to truly penetrate your heart and root deep into your heart to where you know it, you believe it, and you live it, and you bear fruit for it. Something I believe I said last week was the psalmist in 119 says, I store up your word, I store your law in my heart so that I may not sin against it. So the question I had for myself this week is, what is the condition of the dirt? What is the condition of my heart? Am I weekly ready to receive? Am I weekly ready to apply? Am I weekly ready to serve and to share and to glorify the name of the Lord? Or are we overwhelmed? Is our heart filled with sinfulness? Is our heart filled with worldly desires? Is our heart filled with you know, earthly thinking and, and believing this is only here and now and this is all that it's going to be? And Is my heart filled with things that are preventing me from truly hearing, believing, and bearing fruit for the name of the Lord? So today I just want us to check our heart. See, we see a progression in this particular parable. We see the one that's completely unresponsive. And then a little bit later, we see the one that hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But then a little bit happens in life, and life happens, and bad things happen, or persecution happens, and they immediately fall away. 
And then we see the one where the, the word is beginning to take root and fruit is starting to, you know, the plant is starting to grow. And it's almost time for that particular plant to bear fruit. But then all of these other things creep in and they just choke it out. And then lastly, we see what truly happens whenever we hear the word of God, we apply the word of God, we breathe the word of God, we store the word of God in our heart and we serve the Lord and we do what he has called us to do. See, as God blessed Isaac, God will bless you in your harvest for his harvest. But God will use you as he chooses to use you. God will use me as he chooses to use me. I am not serving myself because, trust me, there are many things that I would probably do outside of this if it were all about me. There are many things that you would probably like to do outside of sacrificing your own desires or your own ways. How is it that you can serve the Lord and bear fruit for his name, empowered by his spirit, all according to his word? And the Lord blessed Isaac just as he will bless you and he will bless me. And we are responsible for preparing our hearts to receive what it is that he wants to give. So what is the condition of your dirt, your soil? Are you living with a lot of sin right now and you know you should repent from it? Are you overwhelmed when you're worried about all of the cares of the world, the political parties at war, or, or all of the, the legal struggles in our world? Are, are you concerned about other things? Do you have a desire for other things? Or, or are you just kind of emotionally impacted or affected in your relationship with Jesus? When my life is good, Jesus and I are good. But whenever things happen, Jesus and I are bad. And then it's a roller coaster, emotional ride. Or are you here today and you truly are the good soil, the one that's prepared your heart, the one that's heart has been penetrated by the gospel of Jesus to where you go forth and you have no other desire but to glorify the name of the Lord. So today I just want us to check the condition of our heart because here's the scary part. It's kind of a scary and sad part, and this is what I want to close with. If you were to look around, I know that due to road conditions, weather and all that, not as many people are here today. In this parable, there was one out of four of the good soil. 25% of the soil was valuable for the Lord. There are people sitting around you, and you may be yourself, one of the first three. Now, my hope and my prayer is that all of us would repent of our sin and, and truly surrender ourselves so that the Lord will use us in mighty ways. But if we were to be honest, what is the condition of your heart? As the Proverbs tell us, everything we do flows from our heart. Is your heart hardened towards God? Is your heart filled with all these other interests and desires? Or is your heart being radically transformed and is your life being truly changed by the gospel, by the word of God, by the good news of our Lord? Because at one time in life, you and I were one, two, or three, and you may be there right now. And Jesus uses this parable, as he used many parables, for what? To expose the pride or the rebellion of our hearts. 
So are our hearts polluted and corrupted today? And here's what I want you to do. I want you to give you a moment. And we're getting ready to sing one more song before we leave. I want you to ask the Lord for him to reveal to you the rocks in your soil or the things in your life that are preventing you from truly bearing fruit and being radically transformed. And here's what I want you to do. You don't have to tell me what they are. You don't have to tell your neighbor what they are, but you need to remove the rocks from your soul. What did Jesus say last week? Repent means to reconsider, means to change direction and believe in the gospel. Accept and receive the good news of our Lord. Because for you and I, we were the people that separated the Father and the Son for the very first time. But we were also the people that on the third day, Jesus rose to give us new life. So what is the condition of your soil? Let's pray.